And I remember it being December and it was just cold. Yeah. Like two degrees. I got like four layers of clothes on. Mm-hmm. And my foreman has me lifting stuff that I had no business lifting. Yeah. And I remember telling him, I, maybe you think I'm a, I'm yeah. a big guy. Dude, this is just layers. It's cold. Yeah. And um, still young, immature. So I would get myself laid off. So you mean you'd, you'd I would literally off. show up. I would show up at a <laughs> diner. If I had to be there at 7, I'd be in the diner at 6. Yeah. And I would deliberately show up late. Yeah. And I would get laid off. And my poor brother would get phone calls from the local you know, what's going on? Yeah. And my brother's like, I don't know. I asked my brother. He said, everything, you know, it's fine. He just got laid off. And then after, like, the fourth company, it was kind of like, you, you've gotten laid off so many times. Um, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. And I would unload trucks at night to actually make a check for the company he worked for. And you're unloading heavy material in New York City. Like, the sheetrock out there is, you know, 12 foot by 4 foot boards taped. And you're unloading that all day. Your arms are numb. And I went on one of the deliveries and they have all these fancy dolly equipment and files and everything's light and it's clean, it's air conditioned or it's heated. I said, I'm never going back. And I managed, he managed to get me a job at the company he worked for. And What company was that? Uh, they're no longer in business. It was, it was a company called L&D. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just to circle back of, you know, trial and error and, you know, I had every, almost every teacher in that apprenticeship school tell me this isn't for you. You need to go and do something else. Mm-hmm. You're, doesn't seem like you know how to use the tools. It's pretty awkward, you know, and coming from where I came from, it hurts, right? Yeah. When somebody, your teacher mm-hmm. is like, this ain't for you. And, um, you know, it's, uh, that's how I got into this business. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. James, welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. Thankfully uh, to Mike and uh, Jar of Hope, we were able to connect. It's a little bourbon tasting that Mike and Jar of Hope put together. Um, you happened to be there. You were yeah. donating some money, and Mike had introduced us and said, hey, this guy's got a great story. He should be on Fireside. And <laughs> I hear that a lot now. Okay. And, and, and you gotta you got to vet it, right? I think most of the time we're booked at least two, three months out, and that's kind of where we stop booking. So you're like, yeah, okay, what's the story? Because I just want to change it up. Not that I'm better than anybody, and I want to try to give everybody a chance, but, you know, it's late. I got a family, instantly started talking to you. I was like, I like this guy. And everything that Fireside embodies, you have, and your story is extremely unique. Um, The biggest thing for the viewers who watch this on your end, for them to get an understanding of the show, it's about getting into business and turning around and helping the next guy or gal in line. And there's, we were talking about it prior to, to getting on camera, you know, there were people throughout your life, whether it was subtle things or bigger things that helped you, as well as really how you got into this business full time. And we'll get into that a little okay. bit later. But uh, you were somebody who had a little bit of a troubled youth, right? Yes. To say the least, lost your father young, was raised by your mother. Um, she had some of her own personal issues, um, found yourself in foster care at 13 years old. Um, your older brother found out, thankfully, a year, year and a half later, and scooped you up, and then you you went and were raised by your brother and your yep. brother's wife, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, well, not wife at the time. I think it was a fiancé. Fiancé. Yeah. Um, forgive me. Yeah. And uh, you guys just went to work, and you were yeah. hard workers, and you ran into these opportunities. So your story is something that you don't realize you're inspiring a kid that's in the foster care system now thinking I'm just going to become a number and a stat, right? Or you're inspiring somebody else that didn't walk that exact path, but they walked a similar path. So again, I really appreciate you being here. You're, you're the type of person I definitely want on the show. I want to hear your story. I want to talk a little bit about your business. I think you're much smarter than you lead on. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, just really appreciate being here. So cheers. Thanks for having me. Got my water tonight with you. Yeah, I got water. So damn hot lately. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, you know, the name of your business and really what, what the basis of it is. Uh, we're McGinley Transportation Systems, MTS, uh, in short. Uh, we provide office furniture delivery and install. 
Uh, we build out a lot of commercial spaces, tri-state area, New York City, Jersey. We do a little work uh, outside the state, you know, out in Boston, Virginia, North Carolina. It's really what the client is in need for. And uh, that's it. So it's, it's all the office furniture no one pays attention to. It's almost like a niche. You, know, you go to an office, you don't, you're not paying attention to who brought all those 400, 500 trading desks in or mm -hmm. built out three floors of offices. But, you know, it's us. That's, that's, that's our niche. Um, and that's our business. I mean. So coming up, you lived in Staten Island. Yep. Right? Born and raised. You know, were you guys always looking to get into the Carpenters Union? Like, how did that whole no, journey start? Growing up in the childhood you have, you're just going and moving along. And, you know, you, you just think you, you're going to get older and you're going to find a job and you're going to go to work like everybody else. Your expectations are low. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking of owning a house. You're not thinking of having a nice car. You're thinking of getting a one-bedroom apartment. You know, maybe I used to say when I was younger and I repeated all the time, it's like, you know, if I could just make $500 a week, yeah. I feel like, and back then with rent, and I can rent a one-bedroom, $1,000 a month, and I'll have a nice car, and that, you know, that's my life. But when you come from that, you think that's making it, right? Yeah. And then as you... Limiting beliefs. Exactly. And you... Um, so even all with all the, the childhood upbringing and, you know, my mom, that definitely had to be a mental illness thing because it was, it was a rough childhood. And, you know, I hear some people talk about how, you know, you grew up in a poor family and a poor family, you know, that, that sucks too. That's hard. But usually, you know, if they were lucky enough, they would have that one parent that's, you know, showing them support and love yeah. regardless of the financial situation. A foundation as a young kid. And we didn't have that either. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't have, you know, we were poor. You didn't have money. Uh, you didn't have a great upbringing. So you, you kind of just, you're going through the motions and you're just forced to grow up a lot earlier than most people. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of lose your childhood, your yeah. innocence. Yeah, and we, we didn't grow up in the greatest area. I mean, it was Staten Island. It was a lot of Section 8 housing, right? So you're now you're surrounded. You're you're. A, not a victim, but I would say just a product of your environment mm -hmm. and the expectations of what you see around you. And, you know, you think, like I said, you know, 500, 700, like owning a house is just not even in, you're not even thinking about it. Uh, you think only rich people can own houses. You think uh, I wasn't born into that or yeah. my parents, you know, didn't leave me that. They're not going to help me with that. And you're kind of on your own. But, it, you know, as you proceed and my brother doing what he did for me, I mean, I moved Talk about my, that story real quick. Yeah. I, I think that's a good story for people to hear. Yeah, and understand so your imagine I moved in with my brother permanently when I was about 13. Uh, there was some, you know, my mother with the mental illness. Speak uh, about the story you told me earlier, though, with going into foster care, him not really being aware yeah, of it. So, yeah, so he, you know, he basically went, this is how bad it was. He basically went to school one day, came home, and my mother and had taken me, like I said, and I think it was for legal issues, the reason why she took me, because mm -hmm. it would have been illegal, uh, and moved. And he came home to a house that, you know, we didn't take any furniture or anything. It's just, you know, the following day, the lights are off. You know, he doesn't have phone numbers, cell phones, you know. It's different. It's not as easy to track somebody down. Um, and he was homeless for a little while. And then, you know, he, he had found a job, got on his feet. Um, believe it or not, I think he bought a house. I think he was 19 when he bought his first house. And um, my 13th birthday came around. Uh, he finally, I think, tracked us down or had some sort of correspondence with my mom. And he bought me this expensive bike that only, you know, rich kids yeah. would have. And we'll circle back to that. It was stolen twice in the neighborhood. Because <laughs> um, I didn't know any better, right? Yeah. We moved to a bad neighborhood. And I didn't know you couldn't leave your bike in front of your house. So that's another story. And... Uh, he bought me this bike and he calls my mom and he's like, hey, listen, it's 13th birthday. It's a big deal. I've been saving and I want to bring him this bike. And she said, I'll take you to him. And he said, what are you talking about? And he got the details. They got into an argument. He forced her to take me back. Uh, maybe a week, maybe three days. I just remember him showing up. And like I said before, timelines are hard when you, yeah, you're scarred so like that. Trauma. I've learned to just put it behind you and move forward. I got my own family now. You know, mm -hmm. God bless. Um, and... Uh, showed up with some garbage bags and said, throw your shit in the garbage bags and let's hey, get out. the fuck out of here. Um, so then I move in with him, but now he's a worker, right? So he's working 100 hours a week. You're still 13 with like little supervision. I'm a kid. Yeah, yeah, no supervision. So yeah. guess what? I don't go to school. Yeah. You know, uh, I stopped going to school freshman year of high school, dropped out. 
you know, obviously, well, you don't get dropped out. Eventually, yeah. you just stop showing up, and you're yeah. just not on that list anymore. You went away. Yeah. So now, at multiple times, unfortunately, too, I would get into so much trouble, and that by not being there. So you know when you have to have your parent come up. Yeah. So I remember Port Richmond High School. I'm in detention, and you had to bring a parent because that's how bad it was. And uh, he's sitting next to me, and he's looking over at me and going, listen, this can't go on. You know, I'm missing out on money. I could have worked overtime tonight. You know, I don't know what you're doing. You just got to try to get your life together. And he gets yelled at because they think he's a student, yeah. right? Because he's, you know, six years older than me, and, you know, yeah, he looks, like a, looks yeah. like a student. And I just remember him looking at the lady and going, I don't even, I don't even go here. Yeah. I'm only here because this one doesn't want to come to school. Yeah. And I remember him telling me, like, you know, you cut six times. Why'd you even go? You should have just stayed home. Yeah. Get long, a job. Yeah. Well, long story short, I started working at night in the city, Friday night into Saturday morning for a moving company that he got me the job with because he was the uh, general foreman in that building. Mm-hmm. And I remember working Friday night to Saturday, and my friends are working at McDonald's, and they're paying me well just for Friday night and Saturday, and I'm making a week. What I make on that Friday night to Saturday was like what my friends would have to make Five days, a whole, a whole six week. Days, yeah. And then you see the money, and then it circles back to low expectations. And I'm like, I'll just do this. I'm not going to school. Yeah. You don't realize how much bills are, a mortgage and stuff like that. And uh, so I kind of fell into it. Um, but once again, the circle back. So imagine that, raising a 13-year-old kid. Brother. And you're just trying to figure it out, yeah. right? And obviously he had a great work ethic. I mean, he's, he's a beast. Yeah. And everything I've learned. And, and your brother's first name again? George. George. And yeah. George is your partner with your other partners yes. in MTS. Yes. And that's how I got into this business. Um, it was actually, I was trying to apply for, for jobs and I couldn't get jobs. And I think he didn't want to bring me on because he felt, and he always said, you know, to circle back to a famous quote, wasted talent. Mm-hmm. And he would always say, listen, and I have HDHD and I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. So he would always say, just, you know, you're so smart. You just that this isn't for you could do so many bigger things Mm -hmm. and this is great what i do but there's opportunity you're young you could do anything yeah go to college at one point he was trying to pay me to go to school yeah isn't that so funny (laughs) that someone like your brother who is starting to hit some stride in his career and and making some good money was still telling you to go back to college and that's the that's the bullshit that's pounded into people's head like hey people go to college wealthy and again if you want to go to college if you have a specific trade that you're looking to go into and you know or you want to be a doctor teacher lawyer things that need degrees by all means go do it and you can make a ton of money absolutely um if you're very immature and you want to buy some more time and you want to take on that hundred thousand dollar bill by all means go do it but it does not mean that that's going to help you become wealthy it's actually the other way around the most wealthy people the most millionaires that are out there are the people that probably never finished fucking high school let alone college yes and um Opportunity finally came around where he can get me into the uh, Carpenters Union. And uh, the deal was you got to go get your GED. And go get your GED and you're in. Did the Carpenters Union help you with that? No. So I, once, no, first, I'll never forget. uh, So if you don't ace the practice GED uh, test, I got like a 98. Mm. They say you have to go to a school. We don't like to pass anyone unless you get like a 99 or a. That was in the city. Yeah, they have like a program in the city. Yeah, so I go, and I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like that still would have passed by a lot. And I will never forget going there, and I'm sitting in a class, and nothing, no offense against whoever was in there. They needed to learn that stuff. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. And uh, what they were teaching, I'm like, I'm done. You know? And then I found out you have to wait till you're 19. Yeah. You could take the GED test, and that's what I did. I went, I took it, I passed. Had my little uh, graduation in his kitchen. When it comes in the mail, you open it up, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is it. You know, no cap and gown. Did he but give still, you a cap and gown? Yeah, but still. But to me, it, I felt that it was an accomplishment. Number yeah. one, I didn't go to a full four years of high school. Yeah. This test is based on what you teach in four years of high school. And I did a, I did a really good, you know, I got a great score. Yeah. I got through it, and that was it. I got into the Carpenters Union Apprenticeship, and... Um, and that was it. It, it. it was history. I got into the... Actually, no, he didn't get me a job right away into office furniture. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to really get a reality check. And Now, a lot of union carpenters, you know, go and build these furniture structures you're talking yes. about around yes. the city and you know, all over, but yeah. especially in the city. Yeah, so furniture, installation, 
is falls under like you know how different unions have different you know what they do yeah office furniture falls under the the carpenters union in new york city and new jersey mm-hmm. so that's what he was doing but at first i got in as an apprentice he didn't i started off in high rises and yeah. concrete and i remember it being december and it was just cold yeah like two degrees i got like four layers of clothes on mm-hmm. And my foreman has me lift and stuff that I had no business lifting. Yeah. And I remember telling him, I, maybe you think I'm a, I'm yeah. a big guy. Dude, this is just layers. It's cold. Yeah. And um, still young, immature. So I would get myself laid off. So you mean you'd, you'd I run would literally mouth. show up. I would show up at a <laughs> diner. If I had to be there at 7, I'd be in the diner at 6. Yeah. And I would deliberately show up late. And I would get laid off. And my poor brother would get phone calls from the local... You know, what's going on? Yeah. And my brother's like, I don't know. I asked my brother. He said everything, you know, was fine. He just got laid off. And then after, like, the fourth company, it was kind of like, you, you've gotten laid off so many times. Um, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. And I would unload trucks at night to actually make a check for the company he worked for. And you're unloading heavy material in New York City. Like, the sheetrock out there is, you know, 12 foot by 4 foot boards taped. And you're unloading that all day. Your arms are numb. And I went on one of the deliveries, and they have all these fancy dolly equipment and files, and everything's light, and it's clean, it's air-conditioned, or it's heated. I said, I'm never going back. And I managed, he managed to get me a job at the company he worked for. And What company was that? Uh, they're no longer in business. It was, it was a company called L&D. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just the circle back of, you know, trial and error and, you know, I had every, almost every teacher in that apprenticeship school tell me this isn't for you. You need to go and do something else. Mm-hmm. You're, doesn't seem like you know how to use the tools. It's pretty awkward, you know, and coming from where I came from, it hurts, right? Yeah. When somebody, your teacher mm-hmm. is like, this ain't for you. And, um, you know, it's, uh, that's how I got into this business, to answer your question. And you, had, you had something to prove, right? You're yeah. listening to these people, the yeah. background that you had. Sitting there, and I, and I gotta go back quick to the GED. Yeah. So, Brick, if I remember this right, but Brick kicked me out, but then they offered me the GED program, which was also back at Brick at night. So I was going back to the same school that they just kicked me out of. I walk into this this classroom, and they got like this little Italian guy. He was he was cool right off the bat, and uh, super squared away. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? He ended up being like he was an FBI guy, and now he was over at the base in McGuire listening to phone calls, you know, so if you say things like CIA or yeah. other stuff, you know, all the reasons why they probably watch me, yeah. um, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> they would listen in on the phone calls. <laughs> and I end up, like, just loving this dude. I actually seen him years later out at Patio Bar, like, a few times over the summertime. He was still down here. And, uh, but I just remember those classes and going, like, what the f- what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. what is going on with these people? And it would be like, you know, and, and no, dude, no disrespect to anybody who says, I want to go back and fix my education. But there was like 55-year-olds in there. Like, yeah. dude, <laughs> if you made it this far without the GED, yeah. it's that important. But maybe they had bigger aspirations to go back to college because yeah. they were always told college, college, college. Yeah. So, again, anybody out there that, and to be very, very frank, I always thought I passed the GED and finished, but I was supposedly supposed to go do something else to get it. Yeah. But it never even fucking mattered with what I was doing. So I don't even really know if I fully got yeah. the GED. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Like, I don't it even never matter. Did, did a job ever say, like, no. hey, give me your high school diploma yeah. or give me your GED? No one asked. So I just rolled with it. And I was very ashamed of it for a long time, especially going into the finance business. You know, I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I went to county college, you know, like I would just like kind of make up a a little fib about it because I was so embarrassed. But over the years, when I think about it and the success that I had in finance and still continue to have, like no one has ever asked me where I went to college. Obviously, a lot of them see this shit now and I talk about this openly, but not one person has ever asked me where I went to college, let alone let me see your high school diploma or GED. So, yeah. little nugget out there. If you're somebody who doesn't like school, you didn't finish school, your life's not over. Um, not that many people care. It's all in your head. And uh, again, going back to those limiting yeah. beliefs. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's in your head. You just feel uh, every, you know a lot of other people are better than you, whether they come from education, and then the circle back to you know my brother's comments of going to college. Though he would say 
just go to college. And you know what? If you don't like it, then you can come back and you, and you come work here. But like, you know, there's he. I guess he wanted for me more than he got. He got. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you could still go out and go to college and, and go to drinking parties and you know hang out and and, and experience that. And yeah, if you don't like it, you come back. But you know, young, dumb, you know, think you know it all, your own path. And I was definitely a handful. Yeah. Um, I do give people a lot of shots in my current company mm-hmm. because I was such a handful. Yeah. I do believe, you know, second chances, sometimes third chances, you know, based on how much people work. I have an employee right now I actually call every day at 5 a.m. because he shows up late all the time. He's one of the best employees we have. Mm-hmm. The kid cannot get to work on time mm-hmm. for anything. Yeah. And everyone says, why do you call him? I'm like, ah, I've been that guy, right? Yeah. I've been that guy that showed up late for work. But that's, when I that's was a hard work, in you. Yeah, when I was at work, yeah, I outworked everybody. Um, but, you know, stupid stuff. I'd, helping someone else. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Again, well, while you're here, this is yeah. all about turning around. And yeah. it's great to have some of the big names on that I did, and they give us additional eyes. And yeah. all that stuff comes with, you know, the social media game. But it's guys like you, your story that really impacts the regular people. The reel we put out today for Evan, if you haven't seen Evan, our videographer, and Uh, co-creator of this whole entire thing you know his statement today was like hey you know the regular guy starting a power washing company Mm -hmm. oddly enough yeah that is you know trying to bring his company from 200 to 500 and just bring home 250 that's really the american dream because that guy has freedom right a lot of times freedom is not i'm i'm worth 10 million dollars i have freedom i work in this fucking yard every day or i work wherever the hell i want to be that is freedom. I made it, right? I don't have to get to 10 million. Now, I'll never stop because I got a bigger mission, right? Same reason why Sickness, you're still grinding man. and Sickness. you got a lot of great things going <laughs> yeah. on, right? But what else would I do with that? I'd probably get in trouble, right? That's what I would I find say. trouble. Yeah. So, again, no matter where you came from, how it happened, what happened, um, you're a big testament to, dude, you can go and do it. So, fast forwarding yeah. the story a little bit more. You start working with your brother. When does it come into you guys want to start your own company? What did you start to see? Again, because you're very intelligent, street smarts. You know, you're, you're able to go crank off numbers when we were talking yeah. before. Uh, it was going above and beyond for a client, uh, not looking at the clock. Uh, a lot of guys in the, in, the, in the union world, and it's nothing against them. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, 215, that's it. You wrap up, you're gone. You get a lot of times in the commercial furniture industry, like these people are in meetings. They don't leave till five. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been there, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's five o'clock is end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and uh, just just making sure the company we currently worked for was meeting their expectations. And what we would get is um, a complaint from like someone we were working for, and going, "Hey, listen, I, I you hung out at the job for like two hours, yeah." Well, I didn't put any time in. Well, why'd you do that? Well, our on-site contact was in a meeting, and, you know, she had said, please, I need to, you know, there's a lot of stuff I need to go over with you for tomorrow, because they show up at 9, and right? we're showing up at 7, and I, I just want to review that to make sure everything's fine. And, like, certain stuff like that, and, like, to me... Blows people's minds. Yeah, but as, but as an owner, like, if one of my guys was doing that, number one, you're getting paid for it. Which we yell at guys that do that. Like, all right, no, we're not that company. We changed the narrative. And because I've been on the other end of that, mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel that, like you're doing, you're going the extra mile. You should be compensated for it. Yeah, um, you don't have to hide it. And um, little things like that, you develop relationships. And we, to start with, like you're you're your own personal brand, mm-hmm. and that's any business. Yeah. So you develop these relationships with certain clients where they only want to see you. And when you're not there or running their project, huge difference. They're not happy. Where's James? Where's James? Yes. Where's James? This ain't going right. Yeah, Where where's George? George? I don't want to deal with this guy. Yeah, and, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that. And to the client, sometimes they're like, uh, you know, well, you can't get James till next week. All right, well, we'll postpone the project till next week. Mm-hmm. And then it actually, it Creates develops friction. a friction with your yeah. boss, right? Because now he starts getting conscientious and he starts, like, not conscientious, just like, well, he what's starts going thinking on here? dollars and cents. Yeah, what's going on here? He has a great relationship with this. Now I have to deal with this kid if I want this client forever. Yeah. Um, and then certain things are just bad business practices that we would notice, and it was just, we have a conscience, because once again, I agree, like, like everything I have in life is from doing the right thing. I believe in karma, God. You do the right thing, that stuff comes back. You mm-hmm. do the wrong thing, 
Same thing. Yeah. It, it's coming back. Yeah. You could have a really Somewhere, bad day. somehow, some way. Yes. And um, so we tried to do the right thing. And, uh, like, you know, change orders. We would chose the right up. We would have to call the office. And, you, you know, you're staring at two guys. You and, like, say, two guys that day. And there was some delays. And you would call your boss and be like, yeah, I'm writing a change order up. And he's like, all right, I want you to put down, you know, seven carpenters. Seven. There's only three of us here. Yeah. I don't care. And... You're going to put it through, and you're like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm writing three. That's what we're doing. And friction. Mm-hmm. And one day, it was like June, we were having the biggest year that we ever would have had. I mean, you know, I think I was, he was at about 98000 in June. I was also about maybe about 80000 plus the fringe benefits and all that comes with it. And we just, and it was a terrible timing. He had just bought a house. He had two kids. I just got engaged. I was saving up for a wedding that I had to pay for a big wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, I made that mistake, the, you know, the 200-person wedding. Yeah. And me and my wife were paying for that ourselves. And um, I said, you know, yeah, let's do it. And we, we went out, got a ton of business, did such a great job that we got overwhelmed with work. And payroll is super expensive, and you can't be everywhere. And um, we ended up having to basically outsource that work take less of a profit to grow and um years and years turned on on and on and on um and then we ended up at mts we were given an opportunity of ownership were you working for mts before no so mts would be hired basically as a delivery only company meaning at the time it was structured um the product would ship to their warehouse they would deliver it to site we'd take it from there so they're delivering it over you're yeah. still building. They're doing no installs. Uh, MTS is Teamster bonded. Installation in New York City is Carpenters Union, right? So if you wanted to separate it, you could say union-wise, right? So MTS is Teamsters, and, you know, the installation company was us. And we would outsource it. Is MTS you, still in the Teamsters? Yes. MTS 560, and the Carpenters Union's all kind of one now. They're different locals, but it's all ran under one umbrella. My Uncle Val helped run the Teamsters for uh, Teamsters? Wake Firm. Okay. Fern and Shoprite. Okay. Truck drivers. Yeah, and they're everywhere. Yeah. I didn't know how big the Teamsters were. And when you go to Vegas, everybody's a Teamster. Yeah. You know the the bartender I believe is a Teamster. My wife has a cousin that bartends out there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the unions knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Um, yeah, he's a bartender. He's got a pension. He's got a medical plan. So vacation. imagine. Yeah, vac- imagine all that out yeah. here and never go on. No. But out there, it's Vegas. You know, yeah. they technically, as long as the movies are correct, yeah. they funded and built that place. So mm-hmm. they've got the winning hand in yeah. the end, right? A lot of Teamsters. Um, and that's basically how we, I met uh, Peter McGinley, who was the founder of MTS, and his wife, Claudia. And great relationship. I mean, in the trenches together. Uh, I'll never forget, we did a lot of schools one summer. And me and him would be in there like 4 a.m. at the warehouse. 4 a.m., we're at the warehouse and we're figuring shit out. We were building out a ton of schools out in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And you're talking like trucks are everywhere, guys are, and me and him are just figuring this out. And we just, he had the same business, like how he looked at business. And this is a guy that, you know, like I said, he started delivering refrigerators. He had nothing to do with furniture. Mm-hmm. And his story is a whole nother, you know, American dream story. Yeah. What we'll to get um, him back on? Yeah. And uh, him over the same thing, over the course of 35 years, maybe four install companies, he started, right? Because he had the warehouse, he had the trucks, and eventually the installation company would get so big, they would go out and get their own trucks and kind of put them, put them to the side, and he would lose. And all this time, he's building up someone else's business. So now he's been doing it, like the company's been open about 35 years. And um, number one, so, well, to keep going with that, um, Calls us for a meeting, you know, and we just thought we we're just going to have some breakfast. And, you know, we always joked about it, like, yeah, maybe we should get together. And the conversation got brought up, and this is over the years of, you know, putting payroll through somebody else. And I said, well, if we're going to do it, you know, and you could say no, and I would, I would respect that. You built that business. You know, me and my brother, and we discussed, you know, we would want half the company. Talk about that real quick, yeah. and then we're going to have to go to a break. Okay. Actually, you know what? Let's go to a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about the payroll and okay. why it's important to not build someone else's company. So I think that's a great nugget. Okay. Be right back. 
Taking a quick break in the podcast, I want to talk about the Pit 2.0. What is the Pit 2.0? It's made up of a huge network of people across all different industries that are solving problems, creating solutions, and also bringing together a lot of marketing and sales idea. If you want to get into a Pit group like this, it's very inexpensive, 147 a month. If you want to learn more about it, check out the links and the information below. So jumping back in, payroll, right? And you said something to me earlier, and I really tried to get out those nuggets for people watching and learning. You're building, you were building someone else's company. And at some point, you and your brother were like, you know what? I'm done building someone else's company. So first explain how you were and why you looked at it that way. And then why it's so important to bring that payroll onto your own books. So, well, number one, we, we were forced into it, right? Because, you know, who has a couple million dollars hanging around? Um, when you do it the way we did it, the company that's willing to do it, cover that payroll for you, isn't going to say, all right, you're good for it. Uh, we'll send you an invoice. They're going to say it's a, it's a $1.5 million project. That purchase order needs to get cut to us, mm-hmm. meaning the company that I'm running the payroll through, they get the purchase order. Technically, the client's paying them. Mm-hmm. The only reason that would be considered one of our clients is just because of that client relationship. Yeah. And I just felt, you're building someone else's business. And when I go to retire one day, which will probably be never, because I'm sick in the head and I always want to do something else, right? You seem like the same way. Power washing company. Yeah, power washing company all of a sudden (laughs) we're doing now. Um, You walk away with nothing, right? And you built somebody else's, maybe even a portion. I'm not saying all, but you're building a portion and you broke your ass for, for years. Yeah. To, to end up with nothing and not even like uh, an opportunity like you were talking about um, you know the, you know a, a guy that's that's been in business X amount of years and he's looking to cash out right mm-hmm. that's not even the conversation because I'm not an owner of the company that the PO is being cut to and that's why the ownership of MTS was everything mm-hmm. and when they were accept when they accepted that I felt stressed number one right because I was making I was doing very well like, and don't get me wrong, like doing all that, we were doing well. Of course. You know, in the house, we paid for things and my family's on vacation and, and you know, retirement accounts. And it, it wasn't about the money, you know. Um, and me and my brother would talk about it and be like, you know, we do have a lot of, you would learn to be grateful for everything. Yeah. And then sometimes you come to a, like a decision where, should I be grateful for what I have, which is way more than I ever thought I would achieve? Or do you go farther, right? I mean, do you take it to another level? where now you're building what I call like a legacy, right? So now I'm an owner of this company, meaning when I chose, when I go to retire, it's either, all right, you know, you forfeit your operating agreement, whatever you're taking, but your percentage of ownership is still there. Yeah. You know, and do you sit back and is that your, your pension? Or because now it's a, it's a conversation. Like check. Yeah. And that was, I think a lot of people do it. that, especially if it's commission based or they pay you yeah. a bonus or, you know, whatever it is and how they pay you. You know, if the money's good, I think that keeps a lot of people at bay and they don't take the equity. Anytime you can get on the cap table, anytime you can own equity in a business, that especially that you're working in, right, and driving revenues into it, you should own a piece of equity, even if it's small, you know, yeah. five, 10 percent. Something. You know, because that's going to continue to grow as you work harder, you build those relationships. Wow. You know, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be 50 now and now I don't have something that's sellable. You know, I don't have something that's going to. You know, yeah. give me a pension or something like that. Exactly. We talked about seller financing yeah. earlier, right? So maybe someone comes in and they say, hey, George, hey, James, you know, you guys can go kick it on a beach somewhere with your families. We're going to pay you X amount of dollars a year. We'll pay you 10% on the loan rate. And now you know you got mailbox money showing up. You're, you're the most expensive mailman. Yes. But you got mailbox money showing up guaranteed for the next 10 years because they're buying you out of that business. It was that equity that you owned. So for all the young ones out there, always try to have equity. Again, it doesn't mean you need to have 100. You don't need to have 80. You know, you made a point earlier, too. You know, you look at the biggest of companies. And again, yeah. we're talking billions and trillions yeah. now, but they own one, one and a half percent, two percent, five percent. Yeah. So good move by you and your brother, obviously. So I want to dive a little bit more into the to the, the meat and potatoes of the business, because as I talk to you, um, yes, you have ADHD. 
as do I. You're dyslexic. Uh, you know, I could barely read and write, you know, until probably like five years ago, and I still can't write that well. Um, Same. That, that, that doesn't mean you're not intelligent. And a guy said to me years ago, you can't judge a fish's uh, intelligence on its ability to climb a tree. And I was like, huh, well, that really makes sense. So talking about your business and the little things that you do, the velocity of the chair, we don't have to go into any specific yeah. job, but you're somebody that's coming in, you're building this furniture, but you're also a liquidator for these large companies. Yeah. So I don't know if you're allowed to talk with one of the companies you're working with currently. Uh, I don't, it's one of those emails that I would have to ask. Yeah, it gets, you don't and have, it never gets answered. Yeah. But I would say you're talking, the companies we're working for are all publicly traded, probably considered probably one of the biggest companies that we're working for, like in, I would say in the world. These, yeah. these are major law firms, uh, financial firms, Tech equity companies. firms. Yeah, and um, that, that, so their expectations are really high. Mm-hmm. And in, no, not many people realize how much office furniture costs on a custom level. So you, we built out a recent law firm, and you're talking 60000 in office, mm-hmm. all in with the DNI. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing that mock-up, I mean that walk-through, that final walk, you built out four or five floors, they get meticulous. Mm-hmm. And it's a big bill. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's three to four different people. You got client reps, right? You got design firms. Uh, a lot of people walking prior to the end user, and then when the end user you know, walks in, they're, they're gonna pick apart that stuff too. And what I always tell the guys is, like, if you knew how much this costed, yeah. um, you, would, you would take a little extra time and make sure you know, right. a lateral drawer is opening correctly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just the guy putting his file in, you could be dealing in a managing partner's office of a law firm, mm-hmm. right? Now this guy knows and sees how much was paid. And then he moves in day one and he hits the, the button on his sit stand and it doesn't go up. Yeah. I can see the frustration, Yeah, you I'm know? Same. And it's that extra five minutes. 60,000 for these things. Yeah. <laughs> Times, oh, we yeah. just built 200 offices. Yeah. They couldn't get this right, you know? And, uh, you know, and it's one of the hurdles and to bring back how much furniture costs, uh, you know, we work basically in tandem with a general contractor. So while they're finishing the actual construction, we're supposed to bring it in as they're completing. And with construction delays in New York City, we're, we're almost working around them, mm-hmm. meaning there's way too much construction on these jobs. And <clears throat> I always bring up the point, like, I think you need to delay this, and nobody wants to hear a delay, right? Because yeah. you know, office furniture and office space you're paying rent on, you can't use. You want to get people to work. You want a yeah. rate of return on the space. Yeah, and how I categorize it in these conference calls is, like, listen, uh, you know, we're talking about a $300,000 conference room table. Like, would you take a $300,000 luxury car and put it up on that job site right now? Absolutely not. I'm like, all right, well, as far as a cost basis... That's yeah. what you're asking us to do. You're asking us to bring in this And now custom. it's nicked up. You're coming back to me when it's Yeah, and then jacked. if it gets damaged, right away it comes to, oh, the installers must have damaged it. It wasn't documented correctly. Meaning if we get freight in that comes in damaged, we have to open, inspect it, and file a claim right then and there. You get 48 hours a lot of the times. So after the 48 hours, it's on us. So it's yeah. either we have to repair it or we're paying for it. And this is one of the reasons why you started White Glove Service for MTS, which is going up to the manufacturers or the distributors that you have access to and inspecting it right there, unpacking it with your personal employees, taking pictures, sending it off, making sure everything's good, and then obviously having that delivered with white glove service right from you guys. That was something you added on recently. Yeah, it's MTS Freight, and it's less people touching it. You go to a freight broker sometimes, it's going to multiple facilities sometimes, or maybe one or two, so now your freight's getting touched a lot which that's how damages happen. It's accidents, human error. ADD's going bad. These choppers are circling and they've been flying yeah. all day, like way different patterns than usual. It's because Mike's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you're here or me. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> so you, you, you saw it as a, obviously something where you can gain a little bit more revenues, but yes. also stop a problem which is, you know, how much money are you really making? Because if this stuff's coming in, it's damaged, you gotta wait, or you don't notice it's damaged, and now it's falling on your balance sheet. Correct. And, you know, not only are you making the surplus of the new revenues coming in, but it's really where you're saving. What most people don't realize is everybody chases the top side of an exponential curve. So if you got $5 billion, 
you're going to invest that money and take it to $10 million. But there's a, there's a risk band there, right, to sharpen yes. the curve. But the bottom side of the curve is the cost, right? Mm-hmm. So 90% of the iceberg is below water. A lot of times when making money moves or in business, that's the same. So same thing with the power washing company. You gave somebody an opportunity, mobile power washing. First thing you did was said, all right, well, we have 20 trucks. How much are we spending a month on washing these trucks? So the business didn't even make any net revenues to you yet, but you already saved X amount of dollars a month. Correct. And a lot of times in business, people don't realize you need to get the velocity on your money of this person, of this piece of equipment, of this intellect. And same thing going back to the liquidation piece for some of these large companies. They're kind of just chucking these chairs out. They're, they're, yeah. they're paying you to just get rid of them. They got to get out of that space, right? Mm-hmm. That's it's a lot of work to move all that stuff. It's a lot of equipment, gas, yeah. manpower, et cetera. Not only are you doing all of that, you're saying, hey, well, can I sell this off to a liquidator? Somebody else going to, is this furniture in good shape? So you're constantly thinking of different ways that you can get that two, three, four rates of return on your $1. And in business, especially in personal money as well, when you invest it, most people only think of one rate of return and linear versus how many times can I hit that thing? And that's really what I did with content. So what we did with this podcast is we created an eco loop and an ecosystem and we created all these doors for you to walk through and buy some type of product or service from us. Um, and you're doing that really, really well in, in your business. Talk a little bit more about that, some of the other interesting things you do. Um, we'll also rent furniture, talking about, and it just came to me, I know I didn't bring it up earlier. So we'll also, if, if you have delayed furniture, task chairs, conference room chairs, conference rooms in, your conference room chairs delayed due to some sort of custom fabric or manufacturing issue, um, clients going to move in, there's no chairs, right? Right. So you move into an office, you're going to have a meeting, no one's going to have anywhere to sit. Mm-hmm. We'll awful offer rental chairs. Mm-hmm. So you pay us to deliver them, you rent them per month, and then you, know, you get paid for the pickup when the actual chairs come in and you deliver them. But uh, a lot of those chairs came from liquidations. A lot yeah. of those chairs, like you said, you, it's one more level of just turning that same yeah. product over and over. Um, we do that. Uh, wood refinishing, we'll do, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that. Um, preventive maintenance is another one. Like a lot of these open uh, plans in the city, the, sof- the sofas and the lounge chairs. You the cleaning company, they, they vacuum, they take out your garbage, they're not wiping that out. Mm-hmm. And, and then ever since COVID, it, it's a conversation that really goes far. Mm-hmm. And we have commercial steam cleaning machines. We'll come in and we'll steam clean and literally show you and we'll take videos of how much dirt and grime, we pulled off something that looked immaculate. It looked mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. And in our presentation, when I actually get in front of the client, I'll actually bring, I was telling them, baby wipes. And I'll say, you know, you might not think you need this, but look, check this out. Mm-hmm. And then right then and there, it's like, all right, yeah, how do we sign off for this? Can we go monthly? Can we go bi-monthly? And then I'm the opposite of a salesman because I like to see, I like someone to know I'm being honest. So if they don't need a monthly service, I'll be the one to tell them, you need bi-monthly, you don't need monthly. Mm-hmm. And then dollars and cents, I'm, I'm costing us revenue, but in return, I'm getting a relationship with a client where they're going to trust us. Yeah, now they're buying from you. They want you to install the furniture. Yes, and, and they trust They want me. you to liquidate the furniture. Yeah, and we're not gouging with pricing because, you know, I'm walking out of meetings telling them how they can save money, but in return, actually maybe decreasing some of that revenue. But you build a relationship, and the relationships are everything. And that we were talking about it earlier. It's the phone calls, Relationship man. capital, dude. You get know, on the phone. Emails and text messages. You ever get a text message and you read it wrong? Yeah. And you actually get a little insulted? Yeah. You, get a little, you get a little mad based on the mood you're in? Yeah. That doesn't happen when you're on the phone. Mm-hmm. You get the tone. You, you know there's no misunderstanding. But text, email? I hate text and email. I, I rarely, <sighs> rarely will write an email. Yeah. It's usually in a quick response to someone on my team or yeah. or to Evan with the fireside. I, <laughs> I rarely, rarely write emails. Number one, liability, and someone yeah. else has that now and yes. somehow can use it against you somehow, some way. And uh, also that my tonality could definitely come off wrong <laughs> via text or email. Boat. I'm in the same boat. So it's better for me to call <laughs> you up and... Maybe, uh, you know, build up to the, the harsh thing I have to tell you or the honesty. <laughs> but I totally get that. So as you go to scale this business, right, you're not done, no. right? You and your brother seem like 
your go-getters, your partners also yeah. launched another business yes. internally inside MTS that will work in conjunction with one another, kind of yes. as a strategic partner. Talk a little bit about that. And again, that's their business. Yeah. So No, absolutely no. So now um, it's, it's Claudia, which is Pete's wife, and she's not the... Uh, what I always tell everybody in our meetings, I mean, she's been in this business 35 years. She knows it. She knows a lot. She's been doing this business a lot. I've learned a lot from her. And um, it's women are minority owned. It does exactly the same thing MTS does. Mm. Um, but it pursues opportunities where, you know, a lot of these corporations are supposed to give out X amount of business to minority yeah. and women owned businesses. And uh, she's Cuban. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've gotten a lot of opportunity that way, too. Yeah. That's, but again, just getting creative in, in what you do. I I uh, watched Rob Bailey. He's actually a coach of mine, and he sells apparel. He's got real estate. He does a bunch of stuff. And the the angles, the way he teases, the way he reuses the apparel, the way he reshoots it, the way he puts a video to it, the way he puts it out there, like it is so detailed in how he thinks about how he can maximize his sales with this. That could be applied to anything. Yeah, maybe you're not shooting a picture or a video or how the model looks or this or that, but a lot of us are overlooking these details, these potential partnerships in business that could be extremely lucrative to us. And then again, in the future, maybe become a real partners of yours because you guys are doing so much business together. And it just makes sense to come together like you and your brother yeah. and your partners did. Um, Going back to scaling your business and not being done, um, not so much in your business, but really a testament to you. You know this young gentleman, he's got a power washing company, comes to you looking to, to potentially sell this van and you know close up shop. You said, hey, I remember young, reckless James. <laughs> not many people maybe wanted to help me besides my brother at the time. Um, let me give this guy a shot. So talk a little bit about that situation and what's going on with the power um, washing. So he was, uh, he's employed by us as a union carpenter and he did it as a side business and he had a partner. Uh, the partner kind of flaked out. I think he owed some people some money. The guy just took off, disappeared one day. And um, he's friends with my wife's best friend, which is like her sister. They're, it's like her cousin. Mm -hmm. And that's where I heard, and he happens to work for us. And uh, he asked me, he's like, you know anyone that wants to buy this van, it's mobile car washing. I said, mobile car washing? I've seen videos. Mm. What's that about? Why don't you bring the van by? I'd love to see this thing. And he, and he comes with the van. It's got its own tank. I think it's like 250 gallons, meaning, you know, you don't have to hook up to somebody's hose. Yeah. So that intrigued me a little. The amount of money I've spent personally on power washing my house intrigued me a little. Mm. Um, how it all worked. And it was, it was a nice, it's got a lot of miles on the van, but you know, I said, don't, don't sell it. You know, did you like doing it? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, we're going to change things. you got to be okay with it. And once again, I said, I don't care if you say yes. You're going to take a week so you can really think this through. Well, why don't we do this legitimately? You didn't have commercial plates. It wasn't in, uh, we made it an LLC. Um, and you had no insurance. And you were, you know, you, you guys were grinding, but you never, you took the money. You never went back and actually made it legitimate. And what I want to do is I want to do commercial work. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, Speedway, for example, right behind our warehouse. I go in there, you know, let's, uh, can I give you a quote to power wash the sidewalk out in front? You go, you guys could use it. Uh, I currently paid somebody, I think $1,000 a month to wash our trucks. So I give it to my insurance guy. I explain to him what I want to do. He comes back with the insurance quotes for this business. And it's actually whatever it was. It was like 5,000 a year for the commercial insurance plus the insurance on the, on the van. And right off the bat, I'm like, all right, we're already in the positive. And mm -hmm. I explained this to this, this kid, Chris, and I said, if we're going to do this. You know, we're already, we're already ahead. We just got to go out and pound some pavement. And what I'm looking to build with that is commercial accounts. Other companies, just like mine, I'm in Elizabeth, so they're everywhere. Commercial clients, limo services. Uh, even the limo services, we have a Clorox 360 machine. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's like a disinfectant machine. Uh, you know, the Yankees use it, Boston Wrestling, they use it for the locker rooms. And mm -hmm. it's not so much cleaning to shine, it's a, it's a germ killer. Mm -hmm. um, and we're giving them that option. Where, all right, we'll come out, we'll, we'll wash the outside of the limos and the buses, and at the same time, we're not going to wipe down everything on the inside, but you, we, you could pay us to do that. But at the same time, we're going 
we're going to use this machine. And that machine we were using during COVID because it was a hot item. Mm -hmm. And these are, you know, five, $6,000 machines. So um, that's what we're doing on that. And I want to build that up, you know, in perfect world, maybe five fans, mm -hmm. team of guys, commercial accounts. But again, think about the opportunity you're giving Chris. 100%. I wish someone had, you know, listen, everything turned out great for, for me and my brother. And mm -hmm. I thank God for that. And I tell everybody, Anyone that says, oh no, God's, I'm like, God's real man. I can personally, yeah. how many bad. There's no way I should have been here. Yeah, I've had yeah. so many bad situations. And at the time you really are miserable and you're like, I'm getting picked on and why is this on me? But it was a reason, right? Because the next thing that came out was better and, and so on and so on. And, you know, it's, not, it's easy to say why you're in a good spot. And, and it's up. also easy, and I said this before, to, to get up there in a helicopter and I mean, you know, yeah. giving you a scenario, a concept. I'm up there in a helicopter now. Do I come back down and help all the, the regular folks or do I just keep flying to my destination? So do I keep pumping more money in MTS and maybe buying real estate properties with Mike Scalfani or doing other stuff outside of this business? Or do I really need this couple bucks to maybe turn around and help this guy? That can turn into something yeah. that's pretty fruitful to me. And I'm also helping this guy out. And you know, to give myself a, a, a shameless plug, you know, that's what Fireside is all about. That's what the pit is all about. You know, I've laid out my personal dollars to turn around and help people knowing that in the long run, that will make me so much more money than everybody else. And I'm going to have such an impact when I'm long gone. And it's the people that do that. Again, it may be a short step yeah. back in, in the interim, but the long, the long game for you is so long because Chris is never going to forget. Yeah. Your clients don't forget the other people you're helping out in your world in small ways. And again, not not to give anybody's information away, but, you know, you were you were saying, hey, I, I give some loans to some of my employees at times. Right. We, we've all been there where, yeah. you know, cash flow got tight. Maybe the, 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 the debt's high and your credit cards are maxed out and, you know, something goes wrong in your home and you're tight and you're the type of guy. It's like, listen, I got you. You know, I don't want your family going without a refrigerator or you know, hot water, whatever it may be. Um, again, just a true testament to who you and your brother and your partners are. And uh, I think that's going to go a long way. I think it already has. It already has. Yeah. I, and I always tell everybody, it's, it's, it's good karma. It's, it's doing the right thing. Only good things can come of that. Yeah. You know, and we had a couple times where we did that and the guy took off. You know, we had one guy, we joke about a shaved ice stand in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Because we know we went there. Yeah. He came in with a story that his house got flooded and all this stuff. And we had felt bad. It was Christmas time, too, which, you know, Christmas time, yeah. you're, you're, you're always looking. Especially open. if you're doing good, yeah. you're, you know, you want to be Chris Crinkle. And the guy never showed up back for work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my partner, Pete, is just like, I'm never doing this again. This is crazy. And we're like, you know, maybe we owned a shaved ice stand in Puerto Rico. We don't know, <laughs> you know. And I took it as, you know what? We still did a good thing, yeah. right? And so what? All right, fine. You know, but, you know, God has a way, you know, he pays it back tenfold. It, and you do. I could have, you know, we got awarded a lot of big projects that first quarter. Yep. And I remember going, look at this. Mm -hmm. So that, that $2,500, you know, we just, we just landed a, you know, a $1.5 million project. And that's it. Th this is actually something to give Rob Bailey credit again. Recently, you know, in, in my world, as you're growing in business, and you start to get eyes on you, you have people that pick from you, right? And there's takers all over the world. And then you're like, all right, this guy's out. And, you know, maybe that person could be beneficial to you in the future. And what he said to me is, you still operate within your morals and ethics. Yeah. Don't worry about what he's going to do or how he's going to do it. You did that because you're a good person. And that's what you want to live by. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of times in the past, I'd be like, all right, fuck that guy. Let's go find him <laughs> in fucking yeah. Puerto Rico and burn his stand down, right? Make sure yeah. we put enough gas yeah. so the ice doesn't put it out. Um, but then again, what type of joy, happiness? And we all need to realize that. Like my message recently is we need to give back. We need to be reciprocal, right? You're in business relationships. Don't just worry about what I'm getting, what I'm getting, what I'm getting turn around and go, hey, James, what do you do? What can I do? We, we quickly exchanged it yeah. between you and I. Hey, yeah. you need some more liquidators? Yeah. You know, you want to hook up with Roadly Logistics and, and vice versa. You know, the exchange. Mike, Mike is good at it, you know, connecting people. Yeah. Um, you know, Evan is giving away free content to young kids <laughs> right now. You know, I have, you know, I have had a discounted rate in our early years that 
I don't think I would have been able to afford a three or $5,000 content bill. So uh, it goes a long way, and, and you're going to, again, not to be repetitive, you're going to be handsomely rewarded. To round this out, I'd like to ask a couple questions. Yeah. Um, first question is, if you're telling young James or a girl that was walking yeah. a similar path to James, you know, what would you tell them? Unlimited opportunity out there, but the, it is going to be a ton of hard work. And I'm mm. not talking, you work hard, I got to lift heavy for eight hours. I'm talking, you get home at 2 a.m., you're going to take a shower, you might have to sleep two hours and get back to work. And that might be repetitive. Mm. No sleep, but, someone, stress, payroll. Yeah, but what I've noticed, and it's the, the more you're, you put in and the more... I hear a little voice and I always joke when I get to something in a bad situation where I'm, I'm working like on a Sunday or I'm working all these hours. I'm like, nah, it's just God making sure I still got it. Mm-hmm. it he's going, going, all right, you got a lot of good stuff. There's more coming. You still got it. Yeah. You're getting lazy. Keeps or, you centered. Yeah, you're getting lazy or eh, maybe I don't think you're going to do it. And I'm doing it. I'm yeah. doing it. I mean, you know, my wife calls me crazy and sick, mm-hmm. but she knows I do it for my family. And, you know, it, it's not about me. And once you have kids, it's never about you anymore, yeah. you know? And that's what I would say. It's it's it is unlimited. You could do anything in this world. I mean, anything. Seriously, anything. Yeah, the limiting belief thing is so real, yeah. and I, I always bring it up. You know, you're brought up a certain way. The yeah. neighborhood you were in, what you saw was like, you know, the penthouse of yeah. of Section Eight, right? And whatever that looked like. And you're like, man, if I can get that 700 bucks a month, I remember being young yeah. and being like, man, I just want to get a job for the town, yeah. right? And anybody who works for the town has a great job. You get benefits and, and all that stuff. And there's no knock on it. But, you know, that was what I looked up and aspired to have because that would have gave me enough to maybe have a little ranch I rented or I was able to one day own. And now I look back at the, the impact I've had in the financial world and the income I make. And I'm going, I, I don't know how I would operate this type of lifestyle I desire to live on that type of income. Imagine I just stopped at that. Yeah. Right. Because I had those jobs, you know, and then it was like, I want to work at Lowe's. You know, as a young kid, I got a job at Lowe's. I could I could work my way up again because I'm going back to that limiting belief. I don't have any college. Yeah. You know, who's going to want me? So the young person out there needs to really understand yeah, you could do whatever the hell you want to do. It's 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 really and it's America. Yeah, exactly. You're not I really mean, doing that anywhere else. Nowhere. Yeah. It's maybe it's in China it. once they try World War Three, but we'll yeah, see. maybe. <laughs> Second question and last question I have for you is really some other people you want to give a shout out to, right? People throughout your life, and I'm going to switch this question up a little bit. People throughout your life that helped you with subtle things, you know, people who helped you in business or another big business owner you want to give a shout out to in your world that may watch this and see this. Well, number one is, is Mike. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Mike gets too many shout outs. No, it's his, it's his, it's his whole family, dude. His wife was my wife's first friend when we moved in Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of friendly. And then the kids started getting along, dude, his entire family, his his sister, his his father, his mom. I mean, and I tell him all the time he should run for office because he has, (laughs) he's going to, I'm sure at one point. They're just probably one of the greatest families I ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. I feel so at home with them. They're just, they're just great people. Um, Obviously, the Carpenters Union, right? I mean, they, they give you opportunity. They teach you a trade. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's not going to, there's going to be, a, there's already a shortage of that. And, you know, yeah. hopefully, hopefully that, that comes changes. back around. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, my, my partners and then, you know, my brother, you know, slash, I used to call him brother slash father, mm-hmm. right? Because he took on a lot of responsibility. Um, and there's a lot of clients and they're corporate clients, so I can't really mention yeah, so much their names, but. You know, I'll do first names. There's, there's an Elise. There, there, there's an Albert. I mean, these are people that put their job on the line mm-hmm. for just some random guy that did a good job. Yeah. And actually went, went up to their boss. You know, it could be like the director of construction and said, no, we're going to change companies. And, you know, this kid, James, you know, he's, he's a really good guy and does great work. And, yeah, they would come down and be like, you know, I really uh, put my neck out, like. I'm not going to forget it. Don't mess this up. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And um, I I think that's it. And God, I mean, I I tell everybody, it's God. I I hate those conversations where people are like, yeah, you know, God can't be this and that. And then I'm just like, don't say it around Why did he make this person sick? Or why did that happen? No, there's reasons for it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure there is. And I could say personally that the the crap that has gone on in my life, Mm -hmm. I laugh sometimes out of 
being kind of like, appreciative. Holy shit, just yeah. appreciative. Like I pray every morning, like just in the car driving to work, and just so appreciative. Just like just the, even the car I drive or the house I live in. And I'll tell you what, there's like, there's it's crazy. You know, not to be religious, but there's some type of religious be. spiritual movement that's going on. Like this, the Sound of Freedom, this movie that's yeah. out. You know, that's talking about kids that are being trafficked. And you know, to be very blunt, because it's it's a terrible topic. Kids being fucked. You know, that's that are terrible. five years old, ten years old, and that sounds harsh to say, but there's eighty-five thousand kids who came to the border, and most people don't realize that the U.S. government is complicit with that. These kids are coming there already at three years old, five years old, ten years old, with bracelets on. The bracelets get scanned, and they have a sponsor somewhere in the U.S., right? A sponsor. Now, back in the day, they used to... I, I read all about this. Okay. Back in the day, they used to bring them in. The person would have to come who's their sponsor, show who they are, make sure it's safe, and then they go off. You know what the U.S. government does now? There's no checks. Or is that person real? Where's the address? And the U.S. government flies them there, sends them on a bus, or, or takes them there themselves. Right. So do you think that that child coming over the border is going to a safe place? Definitely not. Right. So seeing this this movie have all of the the eyes on it that it does. And they're trying whatever they can, pulling fire alarms, canceling tickets. They're trying whatever they can to slow people down from seeing it. But there's a movement in this country. It's like, hey, politics aside, left, right, whatever you believe in, like there's there's evil in this world and then there's good in this world. So, um I don't mean to make that just about God, but there's someone no. pulling those strings. No, it's, it's you have all on. the money, all the power, all the evil in the world up against you, really trying to expose this, right? You know, our government is somehow, some way, complicit and and involved in this, right? And uh, you know, we're the wealthiest country, the biggest economy in the world. How do you fight town hall with that? So something bigger is helping expose this. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. And if anybody hasn't seen it, you should see the movie. Oh, definitely. Um, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate your story. Um, it's going to be something that sits in my subconscious like a file and tap into, you know, James, you know, and I'm going through something hard. And everybody's going to enjoy this. Um, appreciate you. And thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to learn more about it, check out the links below.